This is CliffCentral.com. During the 17th century AD, under the rule of Empress Catherine II, the Russians set out on a land acquisition tour. They took to war with the Ottoman Empire over the Crimean territory. After the annexation of Crimea from the Ottoman Empire, Gregory Potemkin was tasked to be the governor of the region, tasked with a demanding responsibility to rebuild the region of new Russian settlers. And he aimed to impress. A war began brewing As the traveller slept by night, he would proceed to set up mobile villages further down the stream for the travellers to see in the morning. This loved to be a deceptive method to satisfy the autocrat and her entourage. We live in a world much like Potemkin. Over the past couple of years, mankind has seen great innovation and explosive development this has had positive and negative impact on society. Historical injustices have left a lot of economies in, in shambles. People have tried to hide the facts, like Gregory Potemkin. We are here to unpack all of them. Tune in to the Youth Leadership Platform as we get inside some of the nation's biggest industries and we involve key industry players that will help us to find solutions and issue out strategies to move to a more exciting South Africa. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Youth Leadership Platform. We we are taking a kind of a different direction, and I'm your host, Bongani Tao. We, it's very exciting the kind of change that we're introducing, and the couple of guests that we are going to have in unraveling the Potemkin village of a society that has been built that seeks to hide a lot of the important narratives and issues that we as a society actually should be tackling head on. Um, my guests will help me get into strategies about some of the predicaments. Um, some of them will help us unravel some of the mysteries behind um, some of the industries. We'll be celebrating millennials. We will be talking the essence of urban culture with some of the guests. So you might, might want to sit tight and make sure that you download the entire series. And... First and foremost, we want to talk strategy and strategy in moving society through authentic leadership um, as part of the youth leadership platform and leadership platform ethos, um, priding ourselves in authentic um, leadership in moving society. My guest today is, is, a, is a very powerful man. He, he comes from very humble beginnings and boasts himself in over four um, different um, accreditations to his name over the years. And <clears throat> without any further ado, uh, today with me in studio, I've got Buddy, Buddy Banga, Buddy Premis. And he is the regional vice president of Africa's newly formed association between the Chattered Institute of Management Accounting and the American Institute of CPAs. This new association came into effect in January 2017 and will represent over 600,000 current and next generation professionals. Buddy is charged with the responsibility of leading the region's direct activities by managing its operations and driving both growth and strategy across Africa. Buddy has been with SEMA, uh, or more commonly known as the Chattered Institute of Management Accountants, since 2010, contributing largely to the growth of the institution through his vast knowledge in the areas of business management, finance, and strategy, while currently preparing his PhD 
and knowledge management. And at this point, I'd love to introduce to you, Buddy. Welcome to the studio. Morning, Bongani, and thanks for having me. Good morning to your listeners. Uh, thanks, thanks a lot for for coming through and and being with us in in, in studio. Let's let's not waste any further time. You are a man that likes to call a spade a spade and shoot straight to the dilemma of of the country, but more more so driven by 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 strategy and solution as as we've had encounters. So the title of today's topic or or the theme thereof is capability. Right. Understanding what capability is. Um, having capability to function, capability in South Africa. Do we have it? Do we have it in leadership? Do we, ha- do we have it in the people within the country? Um, do we have capability? And why do we need capability is the question to ask. The kind of capability that we're talking about and that we want to focus on is capability to create value, to create value for the country, but not just value, but value that is quantifiable, value that can be measured, and value that we will sustain. Do we have the capability to sustain this value? Do we have the capability to create this value? Before we start, I'd like um, uh, Buddy to uh, kind of give us an, an, an overview of of how did we come to this narrative and, and, and the importance of it. Sure. Thanks, Bogani. Um, I get excited just when I hear you talk. I mean, it's, it's really speaking to the very big issues we have in the country. And, and I'm glad we can talk about this on air. And hopefully uh, people are listening out there and uh, hopefully we get to act as a society. Uh, if you think of a miracle, it doesn't just happen overnight, True. especially a miracle when it comes to value creation and preservation and a quantifiable uh, value. You've got to work for it. So uh, just going to the basics, how did you did we start with this conversation and or how did we get here? I mean, as you, we all know, uh, South Africa is going through a dramatic time. True. And we cannot ignore but notice what's <laughs> not working, unfortunately. Yes. Uh, these are very tough times, and uh, especially for the society at large. When we turn on our TVs, you see a few names popping up now and there and uh, always having these legal battles. But unfortunately, you and I, as the commoners out there, we get to pay the price of what's going on in the political field or in the corporate environment. So which now pushed some of us to start talking about this very loudly out there. I convened a conference in September called uh, Leading the Way in a VUCA World, VUCA, which stands for Volatile, Uncertain, Complex, and Ambiguous okay. uh, World. And and, and uh, every time people ask me, why that specific theme? Because literally we are living in a very chaotic world, starting with South Africa and the Great Africa. Mm-hmm. So as leaders, should we just sit and observe and hopefully uh, expecting some changes without working toward the change? Not at all. I decided to stand up as a professional accountant and to be part of the change I would like to see in the society. Okay. But how do you go about seeing the change if you don't talk about the issues that are not working? That's why I convinced people. I convinced professional accountants. I convinced business leaders. There were also politicians to try and talk about issues. My issues are not politically driven. These are issues of value creation, issues of value that impact on the society we live in. Yeah. You talked about the youth when you started your intro. That speaks to my heart. I was once younger than what I am now. Mm-hmm. So I do, I do care about the generation of tomorrow, what we refer to as generation alpha. I care about them. What are we leaving? What legacy are we going to leave if we are unable to talk about the issues that are not working? So, speaking of value creation, value we can quantify and value we can preserve. It speaks about the prosperity of our society. Yes. Do we have it at the moment? Not at all. We are in a chaotic situation. Bottom line. What does that speak to uh, the issues of capability? Let me assure you that our nation does generate value through tax collection okay. of people that are in employment. A lot of us are paying very high tax, by the way. Um, we generate money through corporate penalties, through corporate tax. 
that we do very well as a, as an emerging market, somewhat moving toward a modern or solid economy. Sure. Uh, although in the African context we seem like the largest economy, but in the context of world class economies, we are still emerging and moving toward very a solid lacking. economy. Yes. So, with that generation of revenue within a government platform, we're lacking capability on how to preserve that value that we do generate in this context. That speaks to the issues of unemployment at large. That speaks to the issues of the well-being of the society at large. Mm. That speaks to the issues of pricing of product that we consume. That speaks to the issues of our consumer price index. That speaks to the issues of the volatility of the South African rand. These are facts that are combined in an economic system. But somewhere, somehow, we choose to look at them as isolated cases. Yeah. So we haven't got the capability that it will take us to move from where we are to the next level. So what do I mean? Am I suggesting there is no capability at all? No, that's not the point. We do have capable individuals. But as a system, we do not have a systematic capability. Okay. Because if I as a person is capable and I'm working in a silo mentality, I'm not impacting on a greater system. I see. So let me dissect this for you. Government cannot win this battle by themselves. Okay. We as corporate uh, uh, sector or private uh, sector should come on board. So when we talk about 30 to 40% of South African youth being unemployed, whose job is it yes. to reverse that? Yes. It is your job. It is my job. So how are we going to do it? You're not going to do it by talking too much. You're <laughs> going to do it by bringing strategic intervention that can be measured, that can see an impact. This is what we're lacking. And that speaks to the capability of bringing about turnaround strategies. Turnaround uh, strategies are not populist strategies. Okay. It takes a person who understands a dilemma to turn it around with what I call systematic intervention. Okay. So what is it? Fortunately enough, running an economy or running an organization does not come as a wishful dream. Okay. There are what we call fundamentals of succeeding in running an organization. Mm. That comes with proper planning, proper budgeting, proper spending, and of course, measurement of every action. Do we have it in our society at large? Not at all. And that is the lack of capability that I would like to talk about today, Mm. which even our youth, our generation of the future should really be cognizant about because it will impact in the way this society will grow moving forward. If we continue to take shortcut in how we come about building real capabilities, real leadership, authentic leadership, Mm. ethical leadership, we will still have these issues moving on. Yeah. So. In order for us to address these issues, we're going to talk about a few things. One, proper education. Okay. Two, ability to talk about what's not working and bringing minds together. And three, let's refrain from politicizing everything. If an organization is not doing well, let's talk about it. How many of of our parasitical organizations are not doing well? And every single time, at least when I watch TV, they get so much politicized. When, in my view, some of these are issues of great capability. Within some people, the organization. Yeah, some themselves. people just need to go back to school and just learn well how to run an organization. Sure. When the society at large is paying the price of high tariffs in, in electricity, some senior leadership are wasting all the revenue generated. Hmm. So we can't continue to act like we don't see what's going on. We need capable leadership, ethical leadership, so that you don't pass the burden to the consumers. At the moment, our electricity tariffs are very high. Whose fault is it? Well, the guys that are not leading well. True. Let's go back to the drawing boards. Are you capable enough to lead a company? Or should you not go back to the basics where you start learning on how to run a successful company? Mm. That gets me moving because... Whilst we tend to ignore and say it doesn't impact on me, it does impact on what we do, the cost of transportation. I mean, we're paying high bills, yet when you look at the procurement and the tender bit, really highly disorganized. Millions are lost. So who makes such decisions? What pushed them to make such decisions? Do they understand the basics of running an organization? Did somebody go through some of the basic knowledge, such as Economics 101, basic, uh, basic math, basic accounting? 
That's what I'm talking about this morning. Not an issue of politics, an issue of having capable leaders in order to take South African economy forward, in order to inspire the youth to become authentic, ethical leaders of tomorrow. You know what? Um, it's, 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 it's very moving. And in a sense, there's a lot that we are facing in South Africa because of this lack of, of, of capability a lot of decisions that are made that are impacting us negatively and impacting the economy negatively because of this lack of capability. Let's talk about some of the issues that the youth um, in, 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 in the country are facing. And what some, and, and let's talk strategy for better South Africa. Right. What are some of the things that we, we can initiate and what are some of the things that we can do to curb these problems? And I'd like to begin with a burning, burning issue of the cost of education versus fees must fall. Sure. Oh, thanks, Bogadni. Um, I knew you'd come to that, <laughs> and I was hoping you wouldn't. <laughs> let, let me just explain it in this way. And, yes. and, and this is why, why I'm talking about fundamentals. I'm going to use that word a quite lot. a lot today. Okay. Because people do need to understand it, the basic systematic thinking, okay. which requires what I call a paradigm shift. Or a mindset shift. shift. Okay. Why am I starting by that? So when you ask the cost of education, so I'm gonna talk about this in in, uh, in twofold. So the very one is the government idea or initiative of empowering the previously disadvantaged community, which is a good idea, right? So in in the creation of a middle class. Of course, you do need to co-sponsor some of the cost of education, which okay. is a very good idea by our government, and I applaud them for that. In fact, I'm a beneficiary of the goodwill of the people of South Africa because I've gone, I've studied, whatever I know is based on this land. So I'm a proudly, proudly South African. Now, you take that government initiative of empowering and creating a middle class from the previously dis disadvantaged community, but with what money or whose money? So I need to explain this very clearly. The government functions based on the taxpayer's money. The government of South Africa essentially functions based on the money we pay to the government sure. on our tax contribution, among other things. But this is the largest contribution. Okay. If there is no tax collection, I can assure you there will be a lot of troubles in the government running. So that effect. We need to put out there, number one. Number two, lack of employment does speak to lack of tax collection. Okay. And people need to be aware of that. I'm talking about a systematic issue. Yes. So that's the second fact. Thirdly, in order for the government to function, they need all that money collection. But this is another fact I want to put on the table. At the moment, we are not self-funded. The money we contribute does not in totality allow this government to function. Therefore, we do borrow money from the international community. Hmm. And I do need to explain this because often you hear people talking about why do we need to be rated? Why do our organization need a credit rating? Well, it's simple. We are not self-sufficient. We do borrow money from an international community. Okay. And for that matter, they need to give us a rating level which will determine the, the risk exposure we have yes. and what interest we're going to repay. Okay. This is how it works. That's why we are given rating. The day we become self-sufficient, we're probably going to be arrogant. Probably going to say, we don't care about what rating you give us because we can function on our own. But at this stage, we're not we, self-sufficient. We're not at all. So that's something the society needs to remember. ESCOM, Transnet, South African Airways, among other uh, corporate, are given credit ratings. And therefore, they borrow on the international market. And we pay very high interest because of our own disorganized behavior in terms of managing our funds, mm. in terms of spending, yes. and in terms of repayment. Mm. This is a fact I'm putting there. So because of that, we don't work and live in a, in a, in, in an isolated case or isolated country. So these are facts I've just put on one side. Whilst the government is willing to spend to co-sponsor free education, the facts are that there's not enough money to do that, at least in the current format. Mm. So what are some of the solutions that could come about? Well, I'm still on side number one. We can look at 
the good or the willingness of the government probably to stream or trim a little bit the size of cabinet. Okay. That could be one of the solution. I'm not suggesting it's just going to happen. There are consequences Overnight. to that. Yes, yes. So in order to offer free education, we do need to give in some. We, di- we do need to sacrifice some, some stuff. Some stuff, yes. And looking at the good uh, will or the willingness of our government, it will, it will be really to look at the current structure of the cabinet. It's yeah. just way too large. Can we save in doing that? Yes, that aspect number one. Aspect number two, the current ways of spending. The spending is not really speaking to the need of our society. I see. We spend because we spend, yeah. at least in the current format. Some of the, 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 the uh, department could really save uh, a huge chunk of money, and that money could be refocused to education if we're serious about free education. The fact is, if you check on your report, if you read what uh, the media is publishing out there, there is a lot of wastage. So whose money is wasted? It's still our taxpayers' money. Hmm. That's another fact. The hmm. same money we're talking about that could sponsor free education and, and yes. is the same money that is wasted. Yes. All this co- political battle in court, who's paying the legal fees? It's still the taxpayers' money. Covering the cost. The, the cost. 24-7, everybody's in court. The same money we're talking about could again be redirected to free education if we're serious about it. Now, I'm not suggesting it's easy. It does require a very good plan around it and uh, a plan that can be sustained, by the way, in terms of spending. Yeah. So reduce the cabinet size could be one option. Re- reduce the wastage that currently exists within the existing department to reallocate that money to free on education. Things. Yes. Now, if I just leave the few factors put on the table on one side and I move on the other side, the notion of free education sounds exciting. But I think we still it's still a far fetched from from uh, from us. Elaborate on this. Yeah, because in essence, there is no free education. Somebody need to bear the cost of the professors in the labs who will continue to do research, who will continue to bring about relevant information. Yeah. Somebody need to bear this cost, right? And these professors, these inventors, who spend a lot of time to bring content that's relevant for now and in the future, have to be paid a certain cost. And again, they do give themselves a value of how much they should be earning based on the work they're doing. Now, when we talk of free education, the assumption is that everything is free. Not at all. Somebody still has to pay for the operations of university to run. For example, there is cost of employees. There is cost of lecturers. There is cost of material. There is cost of continuous research. Infrastructure as well. Somebody need to pay for that. Do we have that uh, enough uh, fund at the moment? Not at all. Especially after what I've explained. That we're not The size of the current cabinet, the size of uh, uh, the the, the, the wastage we're going through in department so on, on, on that one side. But on this side, nothing is really free. Mm. By the way, if you do need quality education, at least for us, as an emerging economy, you need to be very careful okay. in what you determine as free education. Um, I was talking to, to some of the colleagues yesterday, and I used an example of the University of Dar es Salaam, uh, Timbuktu. Okay. What happened to all these great African universities? Uh, my sense, at least my own opinion, is that some mistakes were made along the way in believing that if it was government-driven, it had to be free. And if it's free, at least in this current format, it's not sustainable because content needs to be produced on the go. Education does not become stagnant. You know, what you learned yesterday has been improved today. Somebody needs to capture that and be able to uh, bring an academic aspect to that to content that, to yes. be able to pass the knowledge across to the new generation. True. I mean, accounting rule remain accounting, for example, but the way it was done 60 years ago and the it's, way it is done, it's different. Yes. Now you do it computerized. Back in the days, you didn't even have a calculator. So all that is knowledge that needs to be packaged academically to be passed across to our current generation and future. So is free education possible at the moment? I will tell you, honestly speaking, no, no at least in the short term, unless we do a few tweaking around, it's just impossible. The system will crumble. Our economy will implode. I can assure you the system will crumble. The right lecturers probably going to move away to private sectors where they will be valued according to what they should be earning. Hmm. So it's something we need to put our mind together. So to depreciate the quality of oh, yes. education as well. Well, we've seen it in Africa. Those esteemed men and women moving into the private sector. 
Bonganya cannot show you. We've seen it before. And by the way, why is that today? If you look at the younger generation, majority of those that can afford are going to private education. Hmm. Why? It's simply because they trust the level of interaction between lecturers and the student, the level of content, the continuous research, mm -hmm. the continuous relevance. Whereas within the government bit, we've got some barriers. Hmm. It, it is a fact. Yeah. You, we, we, we all know what we refer to ex-model C schools and really rural, rural government uh, schools. As we, not so long ago, we were struggling with books, material for, for kids to, to, to read. All right. So I can already show you that that does not happen in the private sector Ish. because you pay for that service and that service is given to you. So what are we trying to say? The idea is good. I wish I was still at university. I'll, I'll probably have joined my colleagues to say free education, but let's think carefully. What do we mean by free education? Somebody still has to pay for what you consider to be free yeah. because the system runs on money. Mm. So it's not never really free education. I can assure you of that. Let's, 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 let's move from this. Um, it's, it's, it's very heated in the studio and I'm, I'm loving <laughs> what I'm hearing and I, and I, and I hope it's going to add value to, um, our listeners and, um, people that consume the content that Youth Leadership Platform, um, aims, um, to produce. The skills mis uh, mismatch, uh, beg your pardon, in, uh, the current, um, university level, kind of, of of education is is very alarming we have a lot of people in in saturated industries for one we have people that are studying degrees that have nothing to do with the current development in terms of the jobs that are available um at this um moment in time um in in, in south africa and in the world at large what's what are some of the problems that the youth are facing because of this right. is they're not finding jobs. Um, current uh, youth unemployment rate is sitting at a plus minus 40%. Yep. Let's but, talk strategy. Bongani, you've just, you've just hit the nail there. Let me tell you. So just this last statement you've made speaks to free education or not. Okay. And I will explain it in this way. The skills mismatch is so alarming right now that we need to do something about it. Yes. You and I and all our colleagues out there need to do something about it. We do need to reverse this trend around youth unemployment. Someday we're going to age and we still need ethical leadership. So okay. we do need to look at our current youth. Yes. It's not even a matter of preference. It's something we do need to invest in. And I'm pledging to invest in that mm. to save our youth. Number one. Number two. Universities in its current format are producing degrees in majority that are non-relevant to the current need of industries. Okay. Let me explain. If you get a newly qualified graduate, you still have to train them in order for them to be able to execute in a workplace. Hmm. Now, not everybody has the capability and the patience to go through that extra training. Yes. So what's the problem? We now know that what we're producing cannot service industries on the go, but need or requires an extra probably two to three years training before you can start reaping the benefit from this talent. Hmm. I see it every day. Yes. I employ people every day. Yes. We still have to train them further before they can be productive. Now, if you think about... A, a, an environment where SMMEs, small and medium practice or medium enterprises do operate, funds are limited. So they don't have capability to be patient to continuously train people before they can become productive. Mm. Hence, one of the reasons why employment or employability becomes very limited because I need somebody who can do something right now, not after a year or two. So what does that tell us? We do need to look at our education system. We need, we need to revamp it so that we are able to produce at least talent that can be absorbed in industries, talent that can be employable on the go. Why Marketing. do I keep on saying on the go? Because everything is moving so fast. Yes. Nobody's going to wait for you to be ready before they can employ you. Yes. So at least we need to produce something that will be employable. 
Yes. This is when the Association of International Certified Professional Accountant is really leading from the front. Okay. Because what we had decided to do, we've understood about that uh, capability mismatch, okay. which comes from our education system, where people come out with degrees, but they are not employable ready. Now, we've come up with a system where you learn your theory, but above the theory, we expose you to what we call real case scenarios to get you ready about the real industries. Okay. So you learn the theories, you go through case studies to prepare your mind around issues you might face in real industries. Hmm. That really works very well because with our qualification, when you come out as a chartered uh, management accountant, you're ready to be employable. Hmm. It's not issues of, I've never seen this before. I mean, uh, let me use accounting. I, I bump into a lot of accounting students. You show them a, a, a statement of financial position, they don't recognize it in that format because at school, it's taught in a different way. Mm. When you really show them an existing one, a real one, they go like, what's that? Yeah, It's a statement of financial position, Like, but this is not how I know it to be. So I'm talking about paper-based education versus real world. Mm. We need to bridge the gap. And that gap starts with the education system. Yes, You can't continue to pr produce degrees that are not employable. And we're talking about graduate youth unemployment. Yes. That should be alarming. These young people have spent years at school learning only to find out that, oh, actually we don't need really master's. that. We yeah. don't need really that. We need something like this. So whose job is it to change? Hmm. Private sector and government must work together. Once again, I'm pledging to contribute to that paradigm shift where we relook at our education system and we help people to come out of our system ready to be employed. At the moment, CIMA gives you that choice. Okay. 100% if you learn through CIMA, I can guarantee you, you'll be employable ready. But is it just a CIMA issue? No. I'm talking about the education system. I'm talking about the profession of accountant that I care about. It doesn't really matter if you did it via CIMA or elsewhere. Yes. I just want to make sure that our youth, when they come through an education system, they can be absorbed and they can be useful and productive. In a not be, Yeah, not be sent back all the time. I mean... I read people keep on applying for years and years. They don't even make it to an interview. So whose fault is it? Is it the fact that they've gone to school and study? Or is it the fact that we've got so much requirement in industries? Or is it the fact that universities haven't understood our need? Oh, yes. No, man. We all need to sit around the table. Yeah. Why should a young person spend two years trying to get an interview? Seriously, what are we trying to pass Some of them on, on, on street lights um, with the degrees and, and placards that they've got masters. It makes me cringe every time I see that. Let me tell you, I almost wish I could do more than I can do right now. Look, the idea of helping a society does not have to be done by one person. And I'm not trying to uh, uh, suggest that uh, I am the best that understand the pain we're going through. Yeah, you can, you can no longer ignore. This is alarming. You can no longer ignore. Our sisters, young sisters, wives, girlfriends are at home now where they should be learning and be productive somewhere. And do, do we expect this society to prevail in the future when the generation is stagnant at home? Mm. Do we ask ourselves those questions? Yeah. Who's going to lead this country moving forward? Is it the few that are privileged or should we care about the society at large? We should definitely care about the society at large. It's not your fault because you went to a university, you came up with a degree that is non-relevant in industry now. Yes. So we should get the academics, the private sector and government to talk about real issues. And I think that makes me a little bit annoying because... It seems like at the moment, everybody kind of talks about the same issue, but nobody does nothing, nothing about, about it. it. Mm. We talk about our pass rate being 30, 40, and whatever. That's, that's How encouraging points. is that <laughs> if you expect somebody to be productive in the industry? Yes. Do you truly expect an employer to absorb somebody who finished a metric uh, with a 31% math? 70% probability that you they might fail. They would fail. That's what it means literally yes. in pedagogy. So are we able to talk about this? Are we patching up issues that will explode in the future? Or should we just reverse the trend now in order to safeguard our own future? Hmm. So here are two things. If this kid is unable to make it with a 50% pass mark at an exam, 
Why is that we can't bring about methodology and system to help them get to that level? To that 50%. Versus us almost downgrade, no, not almost, downgrading the pass rate mark to please the society at large. Mm. And later on, we say, well, they're not absorbable within industry. It speaks to what caliber we're producing. So you are capable with your 30%, pretty much. That's, that's the kind of narrative that we, we, we gathering from this. So put it this way. And, and, and I, I don't mean to insult anyone, but I'm trying to talk fact because I use the word system yes. issues that we're going through. So if you give me a child with a 30% pass rate in math economy, it literally it shows to me that their probability of productivity ranges around that. And they have about 70% failure rate or else they would have made it. So what does it mean? They are prone to doubt because out there somebody else will come with, uh, an A plus in math and uh, economy. Yes. Surely, if you're an employer and I- an entrepreneur, you're more likely to look at those kind of pass rate. Yes. Am I suggesting that those that did A's are always intelligent? Not no. at all. Yeah. But we, we live in a world you are assessed. Yes. Your results are quantified. Or yes. else, anybody can claim to can be guess. an inventor. True. Anybody can claim to be a surgeon. Anybody can claim to be an engineer. I am not an engineer. I'm an accountant by profession because I've been assessed to be an accountant. So I can't come out here and claim I'm an engineer. So what we're trying to say is, don't worry. Even if you only got 30, you're still good. No, that is wrong. Completely wrong. You cannot say that. If the pass rate is supposed to be assessed from 50 above, Let's try and come up with a system to help our youth, our children, to get to that level where we say you are deemed capable. You asked me a question about capability. Yes. So you can't be sub-capable, yet you are deemed to be capable. Yes. That's the problem. Bongani, if you are not capable, we should find a way to help you to become capable. capable. Not to tell you, don't worry, even at 25%, you are fine. You are fine. That is a wrong message we're passing across hmm. because it's going to hit us down the road. Yes. We are seeing it right now. Graduate unemployment. Whose fault is it? All of us. Let's fix this issue. Let's talk a bit about, you know, the quality of education in public schools. Hmm. Um, I had the privilege of going to a Saturday school that uh, was situated within a boarding private school. Right. And I was, I was exposed to seeing how interactive the classes are, how intimate the classes are as well to, to, to allow the, the teacher to be very effective yeah. in, 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 in their teaching methods. The kind of resources they had and infrastructure as well allowed for a more holistic kind of teaching and learning experience. And as a result, a lot of the students there, they come out with nineties and some of them are even doing 10 different subjects and they've got distinctions in all those different subjects. Right. But now you take it back to the township con- um, context where um, kids are sharing textbooks. There's about 40 plus uh, students uh, sitting in a particular classroom. So the workload for the teacher is unbearable. Right. The teachers are paid peanuts as well because obviously the benefits of the private sector as well is the remuneration as well comes comes as a benefit and it's it, it's a bit more so the typical township kid is not really capable it's only an exceptional few i must make the point that are very, that are capable when it comes to university level right what 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 can be done to address this which and it, it's a very alarming issue if you look at the ratio of kids that and parents that afford to take kids to private schools right. And the influx of kids that come from township schools that are going into university, it's, it, 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 it's something along the lines of three to one, a stand, a stand in correction. But just so to, to drive and make an emphasis on the population, it's more. So, Bongani, and they you, struggle. you are talking about fundamental issues here. Yes. And I really hope people are listening out there. Coming from you as a young person, this is really, really good. Let me tell you why. I mean, I even become emotional because you think about this is a society predominant, pre, uh, dominated by black people. Yes. Let's put it that way. I'm not trying to bring race here. Yes. So when you speak of townships, I'm looking at African people. Yes. And you talk about issues of platforms with capability to allow proper education to happen. Yes. In the townships that are lacking. 
and you talk about you have had a chance to be exposed to a weekend school where you saw a different ways in which people a different way in which people were taught mm. and uh, people could take a lot of subject and still make distinctions in all of that now this comes back to what I was trying to explain to you earlier on when we talk about free education and the risk associated to that it's already clear right now that the capability and platform we are availing in previously disadvantaged communities cannot be compared to elsewhere for example in the private sector yes and that's what i was trying to say Whilst the idea is good of saying you do need free education, but somebody has to pay for it. Somebody need to pay for these labs. Somebody need to pay for the books so that kids are not sharing one book. Somebody has to pay for the computers because the world of technology is prevailing. So we can't ignore technology. We can't say, sorry, we'll catch up with it because technology is not waiting for us to catch up with it. Mm. So is it important for kids to know what a computer is? Oh, 100 million percent. They do need to be exposed to technology, robotics, artificial intelligence. Because that will be the environment in which they will work. Now, you don't want them to start on the back foot. Yes. Not being exposed to the right platform. That's what I'm talking about when I think of free education in a disorganized format, at least the one we have now, where we still have wastage, where people are still returning budgeted money they can't spend. Mm. It, it baffles me. How can you have a budget you can't even spend? It's because you don't have a proper delivery plan. It's simple as that. Your mm. plan to deliver is non-existent. Uh, non-existent. That's why you give your money back. Because if you had planned properly, you would spend your money in the right issues. Accordingly. Earlier on, I spoke about spending the money to the need of the society. What is our biggest need? Yes. I suspect it's education. Yes. Because we're talking about our families not growing. We talk about not Creating prosperity for our communities or the well-being of our society. I suspect it, it starts with education. Dead mom were never educated. You come out non-educated. How are you going to rescue the family? Yes. We work in a world system where you are quantified by what you do. You are given a value by what you produce. Unfortunately, yes. I did not create that world. I'm part of it. Yeah. So what? Am I going to run away from it? Not you at can't. all. What do we need to do? We need to be to go back to the basics. What schools should we have? What books should we have in these schools? What caliber of lecturers do we need to have? Somebody need to pay for all that. Our assumption at the moment is, well, government should pay. With whose money? Where is the money? The money that's not sufficient to run our cabinet as it is at the moment? That's a dangerous move. That's what I call a slow poison, where it's just a matter of time before it explodes. So let's be real. We have an opportunity to reset and change our destiny. And this is our chance. So look at the schools in townships and elsewhere in uh, remote areas. We can change what we avail our kids uh, to go through in terms of learning, capacity, capability, content. All right. There are many other issues that contribute to this all wrong system whereby because these kids are not given the right platform, we've got uh, youth pregnancies, which really makes me cringe all the time I see that. You see young females with potential to become great leader in the future mm. getting abused because of a system that is not talking to one another. Yes. Because we tend to look at situation in isolation. Yes. When you talk about youth pregnancy, nobody links it to education. To education because yes. somebody is choosing to see, well, it's because they were on the street, they were naughty. But if they were given a purpose with the right in content, uh, if they were given, if they were inspired, if they were given a great hope, great dream that someday they're going to turn into to a great leader just mm. maybe maybe that could have turned around their destiny mm. and when i speak i become a little bit angry because we have the responsibility to change this not government alone we as residents citizens we have the responsibility to join hands and try to look at this issue would you are we going to continue to accept youth pregnancies youth abuse females abuse in our communities not at all can we not come up with platform that give these people hope, great content, great education. I'm not talking about fly-by-night education yeah. because they have to learn well in order to become capable. So yes. what do we need to do? We need to come again around the table. Government, public and private sector need to talk. Being a child from a township is not a sin at all. Yes. What we do need to do is avail a world-class system closer to the customer or the consumer. So bring them back to the townships, remote areas, so that even a child from a township can become one day a great global leader.
There is nothing wrong coming from a previously disadvantaged family at all. But we cannot continue to look at it as it's not a problem. Who is going to lead you in your old age if you haven't exposed them to the right education? Mm. That is my biggest worry. Yes. Now, I'm inviting leaders out there. Stop just talking. Please come on. Come this side of the street where we're trying to make some changes. Change is not about being eloquent. Change is not about being populist. Change is about making those interventions that we could measure Trick around, measure, trick around until it creates a positive impact. That's what I'm talking about this morning. Hmm. Entrepreneurship. We, we see unemployment. Um, we are failing a lot in, in efforts to place, um, students, to place really citizens of, of, of South Africa. And that's because a lot of the companies themselves, they don't have either enough money or enough, or they have enough workforce to, to, to keep the companies going. So we turn to entrepreneurship as a, as a savior to be able to address some of the issues. Right. But then there again, uh, we'll speak of, of two kinds of people. We'll speak of again, the township or rather previously disadvantaged, um, communities where Entrepreneurs don't know anything about compliance. They don't know that they have to be registered for tax, that some of them even register companies with CIPC a year from then because they're not complying, they're deregistered. And they think in their minds the business is still operational. And you find kids that are well-informed and well-equipped, they have all the certificates that are needed and they're compliant. And that's how they're getting business. Yeah. And these ones are losing hope um, because they're not getting business. And because the people they're trying to be in business with do not see their capability because they don't have the education yeah. to make them capable. So, Bongani, um, you are great. Let me tell you that. Um, at least you are honest enough to talk about these issues in the way you just put them forward. I'm, I'm an African. I don't regret to be an African. I'm very proud to be an African. And I consider myself blessed to have at least gone through some education system that made me realize that being an African is not a sin. Yes. And because I've gone through that system, I'm willing to give hope to my people. And if people are listening out there, there is a future for you. And don't give up, number one. Number two, you've just now brought again the issue that speaks to capability and what you get exposed to. So we talk about issues of compliance. It's what we get to expose our youth to, the kind of lifestyle they want to live versus the other people who get exposed to the real issues that they need to be made aware of. So running a business is just not you waking up one morning and say, I have an idea. I want to open an event management company. That's not the problem. Yes. So it costs nothing to have a dream. A dream costs you zero money. But it will cost you millions of rand and dollars if you do nothing about your right dream. So dreaming is good. Everybody can dream of, oh, I want to own a company like this one. That's fine. That's a dream. But you've got to work to that toward that dream to make it valuable, sustainable in value creation and preservation. Here's the problem. Our previously dis- disadvantaged communities are not exposed to the right element at least at the moment and we're talking about the majority we're not talking about exception we're talking about the population at large so if somebody knew that it was important to comply in order to be given or awarded tenders and businesses i'm sure they would have if they understood the reason of how to manage your finances properly to be able to be given a rating a client rating or a business rating to be able to be trustworthy i'm sure people would have done it because at the moment people think i run my business but you haven't got a credit history you haven't got a trustworthiness Hmm. so why should client out there trust you you work in a system again where you are quantifiable where you should be quantified, where your value should be recorded and tracked so that people can trust your history and say, well, we've worked with Bongani in the last seven years. He's capable, and this is what he has done, and he's compliant. 
and we can give them business. But our people are not exposed to these fundamentals of running businesses because they are not taught properly around the issues of finance and accounting. I said it yesterday, accounting is a way of life. Why? For lifetime, you're going to continue to evaluate and quantify your output, either as a loss, a surplus or profit. Okay. This is it. We all do that. Even non-profit organizations still do an evaluation around a day. Having a surplus or a loss because a non-profit organization as well still does have to do budgeting and budgeting has to be assessed. So once again, it speaks to the issue of education. Let's expose our youth or young entrepreneur in previously uh, disadvantaged communities to the right information instead of spending a lot of time on social media talking about issues that are non-relevant to the growth of our economy, let's start talking about issues that are informative. Let's talk about issues that can lead the mindset of our youth and current workforce into positive mood, into positive hope. I mean, we talk so much non-relevant content. How is that going to change your lifestyle? How is that going to improve your capability? I don't think in, in nothing at all. Let's find a way to exchange best practice whilst using social media, for example. You want to become a great leader, but yet you're not learning about leadership. Mm. Not a wishful dream. Yeah. Right there. Mm. You want to become great in leadership, learn about leadership. You want to understand strategy, go back to the basics. How do you run an organization? You want to understand how to manage your finances, learn about finance and accounting. And by the way, SEMA can help you in learning the basics of accounting and finance for you to become a well-equipped person in order to become successful. If you have a dream, does not equate you to be sustainable. These are two different things. And I want us to get to a point where you start a business, you can sustain it, you can generate value, you can improve your community. So in closing, how do we change an economic system? If you are better off, your family is better off, the community in which you live is improving, that's how the whole society and country improves. Okay. Because you could be a producer. If no buy, no one buys your product, it's just a matter of time you're going to go down. You're going to go out of business. So whilst you're a producer, your expectation is that somebody may want to consume your product. And that's the system I'm talking about. Education is key in winning in that system. But I would like to really tell every child out there, you have a future, you have hope, my doors are open. I'm willing to have discussions. I'm willing to let people know how to start afresh, how to start on the right basics and how to prevail. It's not a sin to have been born African or black. Yes. That's not a problem. We have a chance to change our destiny. Some issues are historical, as we all know, before 1994. But guess what? 23 years down the road, we have things in control and we can change our destiny. Thank you. Thank you very much, buddy. Um, the conversation continues on YLP Cliff Central and on that's Twitter and Instagram and youth leadership platform on Facebook. Um, for myself, it's simply Bongani across all social media platforms. This is the start of great things to come from the youth leadership platform. We are going to equip you and try to be responsible with the content that we're going to produce to you give you relevant information to help you to be capable and to be able to function in an increasingly developing and changing society. So stick with us and subscribe on cliffcentral.com and every listen to our podcasts and share them with your friends. Let them know um, the kind of conversations that we're having. Help empower them as well and let's shape and move society in the right direction through leadership the youth is our future and that concludes the youth leadership platform for today Um, stay tuned for our next week's episode if you subscribe this is cliffcentral.com